You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Podcasting since 2010. Phone call. call. Who are you going to call? So when you want to call, you dial that number. Call! It's the Jeep Talk Show Call-In Show with Tammy and Tony. They're going to be talking Jeeps with you. There's no show without you, so call in now. Just make the call. Good call! That's why I'm calling now. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 35 of the Jeep Talk Call-In Show, a live call-in show. Some shows, it's all about you, the listener, and your Jeep experiences, and sometimes Tony and I have a guest. Well, tonight we have a special guest from halfway around the world. He's going to tell us about his Jeep journey. Then we are going to give you a chance to call in so you can call in and ask him questions you want to ask. So in just a little bit, you can give us a call. The number is 302-202-1110 and enter in the code 219815. I'm Tammy, a.k.a. com here on the East Coast. And joining me every Tuesday night from the Jeep Talk Show headquarters is Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tammy. You know, I think we're just going to cut to the chase tonight. Get on to uh, the uh, the. I think so <laughs> to too. our guest, uh, especially after the last time we had to try have you on, Dan. Uh, Dan, first off, uh, give us an idea of what you're doing. Uh, actually, let's start with where you're originally from. Oh, hey guys. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Australia. You might have guessed from the accent. I'm from the Deep South. And uh, a long time ago, I moved over to North America. I, I fell in love with snowboarding in the mountains, and and then eventually that led to Jeeps as well. And so I've been living in Canada for about 10 years now, and I uh, had a couple of different Jeeps and, uh, you know, kind of explored North America uh, a little bit. Okay. Uh, so how far south have you been in uh, in, in the United States? Um, on the coast, I've been to Florida, and I've been to California. Um, and then down through Mexico and, and further. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's quite a bit. I've, uh, never so seen, Dan, I've never seen the central U.S., so I'm, I'm excited. When I get back to that part of the world, I'm really excited to get down to, to kind of Texas and Louisiana and, and all of this. There's a, there's a big gap in the middle there that I've never seen, and I would love to see it. Let me ask you a quick question that's totally off topic, and, and, and I don't mean to be insulting by asking this, but are you familiar with the podcast Mysterious Universe? I am not. No, I've never heard of it. All right, a lot, a lot of UFOs, Bigfoot type stuff. A couple of oh, all, a couple of Australian guys, <laughs> and they're really really funny. And uh, you you said something uh, there uh, a second ago that reminded me of them. Everything that they say, it seems like has an they say with an R in it, and there's no R. Why is that that you, that you guys from Australia put R's in things? I don't know why we do it, but you, you're right. It's definitely my accent. Yeah, everything I say comes out that way. I know <laughs> it's not a problem. I just think it's really interesting because they, yeah. they speak the like the the king's English, except they throw an R. Especially like if you say uh, idea, it's like idea. And yeah, uh, I I don't know where the Australian accent comes from. It, it is so unique and so strange, and it, it just is what it is. Well, I guess. it's part of the the way the world is. It's uh, it's part of the charm of Australia. So. Uh, <laughs> Tell the folks uh, where you are and what it is that you're currently doing. Now, I, I know that if you've been following Dan on the roadshowsme.com, you know this, but Dan's here, so we might as well have him tell us, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm currently sitting in Togo uh, in West Africa, 
And I've set out to drive my Jeep Wrangler all the way around Africa. So I started in Morocco in the northwest, and I'll spend about a year driving south on the west coast down to South Africa, and then it'll take about a year to drive back up the east coast. Oh, wow. So, uh, so, yeah, that's the trip that I've set out to to, uh, complete, and some days it feels like I've bitten off a lot, um, and other days, you know, it's amazing, and I love it. How is the Jeep holding up? How many miles have you gone so far, and how is the Jeep holding up? I've done about 10,000 miles, I think, just to touch over. Um, and the Jeep's holding up really well. Uh, a couple of little teething issues. Um, I've got the 3.8-litre V6 in the JK, and mm-hmm. uh, it runs really hot under the hood. And so I just recently added a mechanical cooling fan, and I added some hood vents uh, to try and cool things down because over here it's it's well over 100 degrees every day. Oh, wow. Um, and I broke a sway bar end link uh, a little while back, um, but replaced that. Uh, other than that, it's it's running great. So, so um, do you have those Jeep parts with you, or do you have to order them and wait for Amazon to bring them to you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't have things like that with me. Um, I have really basic spares, and so I rely on buying them and then getting them sent over. Um, and shipping works fine when I'm in a capital city. So DHL, FedEx, no problem. Huh. That's great. So I didn't realize that you were actually going around the outside of Africa like that. I, f- I figured you were just trekking straight through. Uh, no, that, no. Yeah, the plan is right around the outside uh, if I can manage it. That's amazing. So what's the estimated time of completion on that? Or, or uh, maybe you're not uh, sticking to a, a time frame. Maybe you're enjoying yourself. I don't know. Yeah, it's something around two years total, um, but that's that's quite flexible. Probably as long as the money holds out, you know, that's fine. But uh, when the money runs out, then uh, I have to speed up. <laughs> yeah. So what so, w- what would you think is I, I guess the thing that would get me other than the the animals because I've never been to Africa but you know you you, you see what's on television uh, I would be concerned about animals and then the next thing I would be considered about were the humans uh, have you had any problems with either one of those No I have had no problems at all in that regard safety security no problems I've met hundreds and hundreds of friendly people uh, really warm generous kind people. Um, even the police and military checkpoints, everyone's always friendly. Um, and animals, I've seen a couple of scorpions, but haven't had any problems. You know, I'm, I'm talking to a guy from Australia where it seems like every animal in Australia is, <laughs> is there to kill you. So I guess Africa right. is not that much different. <laughs> <laughs> we did see a cobra uh, a while back in Guinea. And uh, and that, that made me pause. I didn't sure. really want to go very close to that. No. Um, but what is it? The I forget. There's a snake there in Af- uh, in Australia, rather that will actually chase you down, uh, and it's highly venomous. Oh yeah, the uh, the taipan. Yes. Oh god, that's scary as hell. Whenever the animals start chasing you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen one, so I can't comment personally. But yeah, it's one of those animals you probably don't want to see. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's like most things. Uh, I know my girls here were always terrified of tornadoes. We'd be under tornado alerts. And I had to tell him, I said, look, don't worry about it. I've lived here uh, in southeast Texas all my life, and never, I have never seen a tornado. So I think it might be one of those things that gets, that gets sensationalized, but in reality, it's uh, uh, oh, very unlikely. Oh, I've been in three tornadoes. Well, you must attract. Oh, wow. Were you in a mobile home? Because they attract uh, tornadoes. <laughs> I live in, <laughs> living in Minnesota. Um, hey, Dan, so have you outfitted your Jeep different than like what my jeep would be 
I have, Tammy. Yeah, I I really wanted it to be a house on wheels, and so I spent uh, an inordinate amount of time turning it into. I mean, one way to describe it is Jeep Falia. So it's it's a little bit like a West Falia, but on a Jeep. Um, so it's got a pop-up roof. It's got a fridge, solar panels, dual batteries, drinking water and filtration system, cabinets and storage on the inside. Wow. Uh, it's very, very heavily modified on the inside. So we're about, I know. We're, I'm sorry, Tammy. So we're about oh. ready to start a overlanding series uh, with uh, Dan from the 4x4 podcast, which I believe you have done an interview with in the past. Uh, and, yep. uh, one of the things that we talked about, since it's a, a Jeep podcast we do here, uh, one of the things we talked about was what was the, uh, the downside to trying to overland in a Jeep. And that's one of the reasons why I thought it was so interesting that you're in a Jeep and not a Range Rover or uh, a vehicle that uh, has more storage capacity. Has, has this bitten you by using, and, and just so the folks will know, I think, uh, you have, what was it, a 2012 JKU? It's a 2011 JK. Oh, it was on. so close. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah. so it's got it's got the 3.8 liter V6, the old engine. Okay, and it's red, of course, Tammy. So uh, <laughs> my Jeep, my Jeep's not red. No, he's. <laughs> we're in a little Jeep color war. So, I like oh, black I Jeep. I give her a hard time. Like red she, she cringes when I say it's a red yeah. Jeep. Oh well, I have the best color ever made. In in 2011, <laughs> they had tan, and it was the only year they ever made it. And I couldn't believe oh, it. I found go. one used, and, and so I bought it as soon as I saw it. It's actually not a bad color, I would think, for uh, traveling uh, through Africa. Oh, it's a great color. Yeah. I think it just screams safari every time I look yeah, at it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So anyway, back to the original question. Have you uh, fi- found yourself constrained in the, the tiny Jeep? I mean, at least it's a JKU, so you have a little more room in it. Right. Uh, that is definitely the biggest limiting factor of the Jeep is the, the interior storage space and the payload capacity. You know, it's lower than a Land Rover or a Land Cruiser. Um, but I kind of, I did that a little bit intentionally. Um, I like less is more. I, I don't want to bring the kitchen sink. And so by having a smaller vehicle, you know, I have to have less stuff. And I kind of like that. It makes me think differently. And, you know, everything kind of has more than one use. And, and the interior space is, you know, kind of optimized so that I have what I need, but I don't have extra junk. And do you find that you really don't need all that extra stuff? Yeah, definitely. Even I still have things with me that I've never used. Every time I clean out a cupboard, I look at things and I think, why did I bring that? And I give it away or I, you know, somehow get rid of it. Interesting. Yeah, I would have, because I think that's always my problem. When I pack, I always pack for uh, three, what would it be, like three moves ahead. (laughs) So, you know, just in case this happens, this happens, or this happens, I have all this junk. So, uh, now this is your first overlanding, uh, a major overlanding adventure, Dan? No, this is actually my second one, Tony. And, uh, but the first one or second one in Africa? Uh, first time in Africa. Okay. So you had some experience behind, uh, under the belt. So you kind of had an idea of what you would need. That's the thing that would get me is just actually getting out there and, and knowing what I would need. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a few things that you know you're going to have, uh, that you're going to have to have. Do you carry a lot of food with you or do you uh, depend on uh, local food sources? Yeah, I depend mostly on local food. Um, I probably have enough right now for, say, two weeks, you know, of that would get down to tin food and, and rice and pasta. Um, but pretty much every day I, I drive through a small local market that sells vegetables, if nothing else. Um, so, yeah, I, I depend a lot on, on local food. Wow, this isn't my vision of Africa at all. 
<laughs> you know, I, I've been blown away. I've, I've daydreaming. What's the biggest thing that I am shocked about in Africa? And number one for me has been water, access to drinking water. Oh. Every single village that I've been to in 10 countries now has a small hand pump or even running water with a tap and crystal clear drinking water comes out. Every single oh, village wow. I've been to. Love and it blew me away. I, I had the vision of, you know, really, really dry and no water whatsoever. And that just hasn't been the case. That's, that's amazing. That's great. It's great for yeah. the people that are in Africa too. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And you see, you know, people are washing clothes and they're washing their motorbikes and they're, you know, kids are playing in the water and, and you know, you know, they have enough water when they're, they're doing things like that with it. Mm-hmm. So have, yeah. have the, uh, uh, have the local population, have they seen Jeeps there before? Have they seen a lot of Jeeps? I mean, I'm sure Range Rovers are very popular according to the sixties movies that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser is definitely number one for four wheel drives over here. I would say it outnumbers every other four-wheel drive by a 1,000 to 1 or wow. more. Um, they definitely know Land Rovers and Range Rovers for sure. And then tons of people have either never seen a Jeep or, you know, they know of it or they've heard of it and, and they're always curious to come up and ask about it. Yeah. So what has and been your most of- amazing moment so far on this Africa trip? Oh, most, most amazing moment you yeah. put me on the spot. Uh or your your coolest, or just some great story you could tell. Um, now, I know I'm I was just... reading on your blog about, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but running into these checkpoints, and you talked about bribes and stuff. Uh-huh. There's no, there's no bribes there. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm like, to me, that would be my biggest fear, yeah. coming upon these checkpoints and you know, sounds like it's been a positive. I would expect something differently. You know, it's really amazing. You, you, I think we have this vision in our minds, maybe from the movies or whatever, of, you know, really big guys with guns and they're going to point them at you or they're going to hit you with them or whatever. That's totally 100% the opposite of reality. The reality is, you know, you roll up and these guys have a log across the road or a rope or a chain or something and they just walk over and say, hey, how are you? And you say, hey, and you shake hands. And they say, are you a tourist? And you say, yep. And they're like, oh, okay. And either they wave you straight through or they say, can I see your paperwork, you know, passport? Or, you know, sometimes they say something like, oh, did you bring something for me? And I always right. straight away say back, I'm like, oh, what have you got for me? I'm a tourist, you know, give me something. <laughs> and then they start right. laughing and then we have a bit of banter. And 99.9% of the time, that's how these checkpoints go. And they're really friendly and they're really happy. Guys will even want to take selfies with me with their, their cell phone, like the, the military guys. So, yeah, the, the checkpoints, in actuality, they're not scary. They're not intimidating. Um, and even when they are trying to get money out of you, it's this weird dynamic where they're still very respectful to you and you still be very respectful to them. And it's, right. it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a game. It's not actually, you know, serious. Nobody would ever get angry or yell at anybody. It doesn't right. go like that. Excellent. So what language do, are you coming across down there? Are you able to communi- communicate with everyone? Most of West Africa has been French. Um, all of these countries were French colonies until kind of the 50s and the 60s. Um, and so French is the universal language that works across almost all of the countries. And then they all have their own local language. Most of the countries have between 10 and 100 of them. And so I don't wow. really have much chance of learning local language. Um, but I'm I'm picking up French pretty fast, which is great. 
Oh, that's what I was going to ask. If you speak French. <laughs> I, I, I didn't speak a word when I hit Morocco. Um, and I think that I butcher it pretty badly, but everyone uh-huh. seems happy. So that's great. <laughs> well, if you need any help, my sixth grader is taking French in middle school. Oh, so <laughs> Perfect. Très bon. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, that's, know. <laughs> that's really good that they have a language, at least one language that you, uh, you only have to learn. Now, do you, uh, are you able to use your, uh, your smartphone to assist you with, uh, maybe some translations? Uh, I know that, uh, I think Google has an app that lets you say it, uh, speak to it and it translates and plays it back. Yeah. You know, I, I've never done anything like that. I, um, my last traveling was all before smartphones. And so I think I just am the kind of traveler who, I would rather just sort of get it done with smiles and gestures and laughing and, you know, a little bit of awkwardness. I, I kind of would prefer that than, you know, a smartphone or, or some sort of perfect translation. Interesting. Right. So, um, yeah. God, there was something I was going to ask you about the, uh, about the G. Oh, and I'll, I'll just, sorry, I'll just cut in there. We, we were talking, you know, best experiences and things. Again, to, to just completely kind of throw out everything that you imagine about Africa People here have been so generous and so unbelievably trustworthy. Sometimes I do get to a village where nobody speaks French and, you know, so I I can't communicate at all. And if I want to buy, say, a pineapple or a watermelon or something, I can hold out my hand with money in it. They'll take the the right amount. They'll give me back change and just smile and wave and, and that's it. And, wow. and and sometimes even, you know, if I if I misunderstand a number or something and I pay too much, a person will actually follow me down the street to give me my change. Say, hey, hey, that's hey, wait, here, here, you need, you need, you know, the equivalent of two cents change. Here it is. Yeah, that's, that's right. the way that's, it should be. That's good to hear. That's such a good thing. Oh, and, and that kind of thing has happened repeatedly. Just, you know, once a week that kind of thing happens and you're like, wow, you know, th- these people are just so honest. They really are. I remember what I was going to ask. Uh, since you don't use a smartphone to do the translations for you, how about GPS? Or are you c- completely technology against technology? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you would ask that. Uh, on my last trip, I didn't have a GPS of any kind. Uh, you know, really romantic, drive around with paper maps. It was really romantic until I got into ginormous cities in South America, and <laughs> it was not very fun at all. Uh, and so this time I do have a Garmin GPS, um, and I've loaded it up with OpenStreetMaps, which is kind of the free version of Google Maps, and it works amazingly well. I've been completely shocked how good the maps are. It's it's amazing. That's interesting. So really, uh, it, it does make sense now that I think about it. If you're on a long straight road or even a curvy road, but it's it's the only road, it uh, it doesn't really help to know where you are, except maybe if you're getting low on fuel. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, you need the detail whenever you're in the larger cities. That makes perfect sense. I'm just going to jump in here real quick and, and tell you folks, if you'd like to call in and speak with Dan, we're running the number across the screen, have been, uh, but you can call in 302-202-1110 and then just dial the secret number 219-835 and uh, you'll, be able, you'll be on hold, you'll hear the show, and uh, whenever it's your turn to talk, you'll know that it's your turn. So Dan, I have another question. So do you just like pull over on the side of the road and... Put your top up, pop up your top, and then sleep in your Jeep? That's a good question. Um, it really depends on where I am, what country I'm in, and, and how I feel safety-wise. Um, I wouldn't do what you just described, you know, often or by choice. Um, I don't like to be so visible or, you know, just literally on the side of a road with cars on it or people on it. Um, 
the goal usually is to find somewhere to camp about 4 p.m. before it gets dark. And kind of the trick is drive off a side road and then maybe another side road where there's not going to be any people, you know, maybe in a gravel pit or kind of behind some trees or, you know, kind of where I'm a bit out of the way and, and people mm-hmm. aren't going to see me so obviously. Um, and then the other thing that I've been doing a bit of when I'm not certain or, you know, if I just arrive in a, in a bigger city, I just go to a hotel and I ask if I can camp in their parking lot. And so usually oh, okay. for a dollar or two, they, they have a big walled compound, you know, with a security guard on the gate. And then I camp just in the parking lot. So you don't just pull over to Motel 6 and get a room for the night? <laughs> no, I've gotten a couple of hotel rooms on the whole trip, maybe two or three. Again, you know, if you drive in and it gets dark and then it's so hard to find camping when it's dark and you, you just don't know if you're safe or not. It's like, right. oh, for $5, I'll get a hotel room. That's a pretty good deal. Five dollars. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, you you haven't seen the quality of the hotel room. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Think of the most putrid bathroom you've ever seen in your life. Think of oh. a bed so dirty you wouldn't want to sleep on it, and then you're starting to get the idea. <laughs> Yuck. Well, how, yeah, I guess it, it how, can be. It can be quite horrendous. I guess how uh, it depends on how comfortable the the pop up tent is. Is the uh, do you sometimes just say, oh, I just need to lay on a bed where I can just stretch oh, out. No. No, no, the very opposite, Tony. I sleep like a rock in the Jeep these days. The bed is amazingly comfortable. Oh, that's great. And, you know, because it has fly screen and everything, and so I sleep with those wide open, so I get lots of fresh air. Um, no, no, I would, I would much prefer to sleep in the Jeep than, than on any bed. So do you have to worry about the weather there? I mean, not necessarily the heat, but any kind of uh, a, a lot of rain, and how does the Jeep handle that? How does the sleeping quarters handle the any heavy rains? Right. So initially I was supposed to miss the rainy season in West Africa has a big tropical rainy season. Mm -hmm. Um, But my timeline got all messed around. And and so when I was in Guinea, it rained harder than I've ever seen in my life for 10 hours a day, every single day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it was unbelievable. And so there were days where the streets in a town were like two feet of water. Um, And so, yeah, it, it got challenging for sure. So the the pop-up roof itself is is very waterproof and really good um but you know kind of a perpetual week of torrential rain and eventually things start getting wet you know and and i'm always wet when i get inside you know my feet are wet my clothes are wet um and so actually i found mold inside on a couple of times so not fun to deal with at all no i wouldn't imagine so is your jeep lifted it is lifted yeah i've got a two and a half inch uh, aev lift just a, a moderate lift to try and mostly just to handle the extra weight, not so much because I wanted extra ground clearance. And do you, what tires do you have? I've got the BF Goodridge KO2 All Terrains, and they're 34, 10 and a half, 17. So they're kind okay. of the tallest tire you can go without getting wide. Um, and I did that because I, I want to be mindful of gas mileage. You know, I have a long way to drive, oh, yeah. and so I don't, want to turn, I don't want to turn this Jeep into 10 miles a gallon. That would be expensive really fast. Have you been tracking that? And if so, what kind of miles per gallon are you getting? I usually reset the computer every tank. Uh, I like to watch if it gets really bad mileage on a given tank. Mm-hmm. You know, then I probably got bad gas. Um, on the highway, it'll cruise at 19 miles a gallon. Really nice. Because on the highway, I can only do about 50 miles an hour anyway because they're so bad. Right. Um, as soon as I go off-road, it drops pretty quickly down to, say, 15, maybe 14. Um, so and average, uh, maybe 16, I guess. 
I got 14 uh, about a month ago. I was ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the thing. I don't have 35s. I don't have a four-inch lift. It's, uh, yeah. So is gas hard to come by? It is not. No, that's been a big surprise as well. You know, I, a lot of people told me I'm nuts for going with gas instead of diesel. Um, but it turns out the the reality is that uh, motorbikes and scooters, they outnumber cars 10,000 to one. Oh, I bet. And so, of course, you know, they all use gas. And so, in fact, I've got to many stations that have gas and they don't have diesel. <laughs> That's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's amazing too is, you know, everyone around here is really industrious and they're all, you know, trying to make a little bit of money on the side. And so, if you are, let's say, 300 miles from a gas station, there'll be people selling it on the side of the road. And so, it'll be in Coke bottles or it'll be in like glass alcohol bottles. Wow. And, you know, they've marked it up 10% or something. Right. But the, convenient, the convenience of that is amazing. It's, oh, it's- and yeah, and in reality, if you did run out of gas, the very first person that came past would stop and, and you know, you could convey what the problem is. And they would be like, oh, yeah, I'll be back in an hour. No problem. I'll go get some. Amazing. So I, I, that yeah. would be my next question. Have you been close to running out? I would assume that you have not run out of fuel. I haven't run out of fuel, but I have been l- a long way below empty on the gauge. <laughs> and that was just due to poor planning, actually. Mm. Um, I have a, a Titan Trekker on the back, which is a 13-gallon tank uh, on the rear tire carrier. Mm-hmm. And actually, the two or three times that I've been really, really empty, I hadn't even filled that up. So just my own lack of planning or lack of sort of foresight, because you know, I don't like to drive around with it full if I don't have to. Right. So did you do anything else to the Jeep? Uh, do you, are you running lockers on the Jeep? I don't know if you, I don't think you said it was Rubicon, so that would be uh, uh, it, something you'd have to add. Yeah, it is a Rubicon, so it has okay. the front and rear lockers. Um, I added front and rear bumpers. It's got a worn winch. Um, underneath, I've got an engine skid plate, which actually has been really great. I'm super happy to have that. Um, but that's about it. I think for four-wheel drive, I, I kind of spent most of my time and money on the, the camping side of things mm-hmm. and then fairly mild on the four-wheel driving side of things. How often have you had to use the four-wheel drive or the lockers? It's kind of strange. It, it's it's uh, it's not what you expect where you think, you know, you get to this crazy mud area and then, you know, you're in four-wheel drive for a few hours. The roads actually are really good and they shed water really well. But then you get to a section, maybe you're even in a town, and there's ruts in the road that are deeper than the tires on the Jeep. And so a couple of times, actually, I, I've used four-wheel drive in a capital city just oh. trying to drive through a capital city because wow. the, the potholes and the, the broken pavement are just so terrible. Interesting. Um, no, have you had say, to use your winch at all? I haven't used the winch yet, no, but I, I certainly was eyeing it up quite a lot when I was in Ivory Coast. I drove some really nasty roads there. That's a good thing to have just in case. It's very interesting. Uh, I would think that you would have been in four-wheel drive more often, lockers more often, and certainly in a winch situation. Um, now, of course, you're you're going through this by yourself. Uh, it's just you and the population around you, correct? That's right, yeah. So this is what we always tell people uh, not to do. Don't go wheeling alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess yeah. it's kind of hard to schedule a buddy with another Jeep uh, to follow you around. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, ideally I would have a co-pilot, but I couldn't find anyone crazy enough to come with me. And so, oh, you know, you either go me. by myself or don't go at all. Yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a fun, uh, a fun trip, a navigator, so to speak. 
I yeah. love reading yeah, and, maps. Huh. And on that, you know, the how much do I use the lockers or four-wheel drive, it really depends where you want to go. And kind of the, the difference between overlanding and, and maybe wheeling, I think, is when you're overlanding, you're always trying to go somewhere. You're trying to go to a lake or a river or a mountain or some ruins or there is some sort of destination. And always a destination like that is going to have some sort of road and probably locals are driving that road. And so if they're driving it, I mean, they don't have lockers and mud terrain tires and, you know, five-inch lifts. So if they can drive the road, then my Jeep can drive it pretty easily. It's only sense. really when you actually try to be a bit silly and you look on a map and you say, you know, hey, why don't we try and drive here for no apparent reason that you'll <laughs> actually find a road that really isn't a road, you know, and maybe nobody's driven or maybe just motorbikes ride. And that's when, you know, things get crazy. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I guess this is kind of a silly question, but on a scale of one to 10, how's your trip been so far as opposed to what you thought it was going to be like? Oh, I mean, one out of 10 enjoyment or yes, one yes. out of 10 difficulty? It, uh, or? No, ex- excitement, enjoyment, uh, oh. just, you know, doing it. Uh, oh, you know, it, it's been massively different than I expected. Um, and so, you know, there are days that are zero out of 10 enjoyment for sure. There are days that I shake my head and I wonder what I'm doing. But then an hour later, I maybe have 10 out of 10 enjoyment. Um, so it's, it's been really, really like a roller coaster. It's been really mm-hmm. up and down. Um, it's much harder than I thought it would be. Um, it's a much bigger challenge, but at the same time, much more rewarding, much, much more rewarding. The people that I'm meeting are, are blowing my mind. I, I can't believe how happy and friendly people are here. I mean, honestly, and it sounds crazy to say it, people here are friendlier than Canadians. They really are. They, they, they go out of their way to help you and be kind to you and for no reason, for no gain for themselves, just, just because that's who they are. And uh, I think I've got a lot to learn from these people. It's great. Oh, wow, I just love hearing that. I know. It, like, warms your heart. Yeah. It's, it, you know, there are days when I just can't believe it, and I think, like, wow, I'm, I'm not a very nice person compared to these people. Like, Mm-hmm. But they have nothing and, and you know, they, they invite me over to sit down on the ground and, like, eat rice out of their communal bowl with my hand. It's like, but but you guys don't even have enough rice for yourselves. Like, no, no, right. don't worry about it. Here, come come have some. Yeah. That's, wow. That's the way people should be. That's great. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, I, I keep saying my little catchphrase is, over here, people treat people like people. Yeah. And I think we've forgotten that a little bit back in the world. Yes. We, we all got busy earning money and paying mortgages and whatever, and we Being all kind selfish. of forgot along the way that, you know, e- even the person serving you coffee in the morning, it's like they're a person too, you know, and they've got kids or, you know, parents or school loans. or And so it's it's important to remember to treat each other like people. I blame it on the BMW drivers cutting me off uh, for <laughs> on the freeway yeah, and stuff. <laughs> well, I know when you talked about, you know, not needing a lot of stuff, been looking at your cover like, oh, I don't need that. And uh, as I was reading your blog, I noticed you have a book. And I downloaded the book. I have it on my Kindle. Um, so I'm really excited to read it to learn how to, you know, not focus so much on all this stuff and having all this money and just learning to live life simply. Oh, that's really cool. So what, is, now, what is the name of the book, Dan? Uh, my book is called Work Less to Live Your Dreams. Yeah, it because, sounds good. Uh, it, inevitably, the first question I get asked is, how do I afford this? Like, how am I paying? Why don't I have to go to work? You know, when, when most people have to go to work every day. 
And it's funny because I was telling some folks from work about our our interview with you tonight, and they're like, "How does he pay for that?" That was their <laughs> first question. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," and and it's no big secret. I, a, a lot of people who do these things, they'll tell you, it's just a question of priorities. Like, if if I wanted to buy a new iPhone every couple of years, and and if I had a big screen TV and things like that, all my money would be going on those things. And I would never really have money to afford a trip like this. Instead, for all of those years, I just put all that money in a savings account. So every time, you know, I was tempted to to upgrade a phone or something, oh, no, no, put that three or $400 in a savings account and do that relentlessly for years and years and years, and you'll have a lot more money than you think. Uh, you, you just said something that confused me. Uh, uh, you said you you packed your Jeep. Did you not take a big screen TV with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, there's two of them actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I'm thinking that you're in the wild if you don't have a big screen TV with you. You know, that's an inter- interesting thing. Other than looking at the stars, which I imagine imagine are absolutely breathtaking, uh, in the the pitch black of Africa. Um, what do you do for entertainment in the evening? Are are you just so spent uh, by the end of the day that you just your entertainment is sleeping or? Uh, yeah. It, it does get like that many days for sure. By, by the time I've finished cooking and kind of cleaning up and everything, you know, it's dark. And, and yeah, I, I often go to bed by, say, 10 o'clock at night. Um, but, yeah, I do have a Kindle e-reader this time, which I'm really enjoying because it just has so many books on it. Um, and I, I have a lot of – I've given myself a lot of work writing on my website and writing for magazines and trying to edit videos as well. And, and so I have a lot of that work to do, which often I try to do an hour or two a day. That's a that's a good point. Uh, tell us about your website. Mm-hmm. So I have a website, um, all of my photos, all of my stories from the road, uh, and it's called The Road Chose Me. And then I'm also running a YouTube channel under the same name. Um, and yeah, so you can go there and, and see tons of photos and stories and misadventures. Oh, I didn't know about the YouTube channel. I'm gonna definitely check that one out. I've been to the uh, been to the site, but uh, some videos would be fun to see as well. Um, yeah, I. I really decided that the best way to show people, you know, what it's like on the ground is to do it with video. Um, yeah. And I've been a bit lazy lately. I'm, I'm way backlogged on getting videos online, but I, I am going to get to it. <laughs> I promise. Is that kind of uh, expensive for you uh, or how is the, uh, what's the internet situation over there as far as getting, uh, I mean, video takes a lot of bandwidth to, to upload. Yeah, you know, uh, I had really good Wi-Fi all the way down through Morocco, Mauritania, Senegal, and then it kind of was non-existent. Um, and so I caved in and I bought a smartphone. It was $20 for a brand new uh, Android <laughs> oh, smartphone. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I know. And uh, $600 so now every, for me. Yeah, yeah. And so in every country now I buy a SIM card from, you know, the local cell phone provider. The SIM card costs about a dollar. And then you put prepaid data on it, which is usually 3 to $5 per gigabyte. And then actually the speeds have been really, really good. And I think the reason is they have amazing 3G infrastructure here, but not so many people are using it. I was going to say, so, nobody's using it. <laughs> that's right. So you, sometimes you almost have the tower to yourself. You know, oh. like, uh, yeah, I can, I can upload YouTube videos from here as fast as I could from Canada or the US, no problem. Oh, that's excellent. That's great news. Mm-hmm. This is totally different than what I, would, what I was expecting yeah. from Africa. Again, and, it, and I think it's another one of those things that maybe has changed a lot in the last three to five years. You know, five years ago, people would have told you internet access, West Africa, like good luck. But now it's totally different. That's hmm. interesting. So you uh, getting there a little later has, uh, has helped from the technology standpoint. 
Dan, how can people uh, follow you? Uh, we mentioned the website and the YouTube, but how can they follow you like, mm. on Twitter and Facebook? Right. Yeah, I also have a, a Facebook page called The Road Chose Me as well. And uh, I'm on Instagram as The Road Chose Me. And then just to mix things up, on Twitter, my handle is Dan Grek, one word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what the go. hell happened to, there? <laughs> that's right. Just to keep everything consistent. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I could tell you had the Twitter first. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the branding of every, every, the same brand for everything is a difficult thing to do. Sometimes you have to ask Mama Jeep on uh, on Twitter, right, Tammy? Oh, I know that's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, she Jeep Mama was already taken on Twitter, so she had to go the other oh, way. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, Dan, we certainly so, certainly appreciate what? you uh, being here with us tonight. Uh, go ahead, Tammy. I just have one more question. Have you thought about what your next adventure is going to be? Uh, that's a dangerous question. Poor, uh, poor Dan. Poor Dan. I'm, I've decided that I'm one of these grass is greener people. You know, I, I have this syndrome where no matter what I am, what I'm doing or where I am, I, I'm already like daydreaming of the next. Um, and so there are many ideas bouncing around in my head. Um, but for right now, I, I want to focus on this. You know, I right, right. have to get... You have to get through West Africa. There's still there's still some really uh, challenging bits to come, and then all of East Africa as well as a whole new world. So for now, it's uh, Africa on the horizon. Sure. So how many miles a day do you go on average? On average, I'd be hard to put a number to it. Maybe a hundred a day on average. Okay. Not very far, Tammy. I don't. Um, I'm not going fast. You know, I've, I've met other people who, who do the trip in half the time that I've got planned or even faster. Motorbike guys especially, they'll do it really fast. Um, I, I came over here to, to really enjoy it, to, to meet people, to learn French, to see beautiful places. And so I, I want to spend time to do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a rush. It's not a race. And, and as long as I'm enjoying it, I'll, I'll keep going slow. Um, yeah, because it's it's what I want to do with my life right now. It isn't it isn't sort of like get this finished, then get back to life. Like this actually is my life. Right. So yeah, so amazing. I have no home and I have no home and no job to go back to. I have nothing anywhere in the world. So in, like my house is my jeep is my house. Like by very definition. So even you know even if I rushed right now and finished the whole trip in three months, I would say, oh, now what do I do? I, I have right, no idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you are planning on shipping the Jeep back once you're done with your trip? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, you may sell probably, it. Probably. Pro- well, yeah, I, I don't know if that would be legal anywhere, if I could get away with it. Um, maybe I would leave it in Europe so that after earning a bunch of money, I could then come back and travel Europe for a while. Um, I don't know, Tony. There's, you know, there's, there's a million things that might crop up between here and there. Um, but ideally I'd bring it back. I think it's a pretty sweet vehicle to have in North America, you know, from snowboarding trips or hiking or anything like that. Yeah. I was just curious because a lot of us get very attached to our Jeeps mm-hmm. and with you taking this Jeep on such a long trip, it'd be very hard for me to leave it. But then again, I don't have any idea what shipping costs so that that might be a, a big determining factor about how much love I had for the Jeep. So <laughs> also too, yeah, you may sure. be, you may be tired of the duration, uh, sorry, the relationship once you're done driving it that long. Yeah. Yeah. Shipping, it'll be about two grand or so. So it's, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. I, and I will get really attached and I, and I would really miss it if I sold it. But at the same time, you know, maybe selling it would then free up all of that money so I can go have some other adventure. Right. Um, so there's kind of that to weigh up as well. You know, 
what if I sold this one and then worked for a bunch more years and then bought a different one and then did some other trip? Like, that would be good too. Right. right. Well, I guess it all I'm has just... to do with the mindset and that, that's not something uh, that you did have to uh, change just so you could do this. So I, I, got to, I think it's probably a good mindset to have, not to be so uh, attached to things. Uh, it's more about uh, your enjoyment of your life. Mm, mm. And I would like to keep it, you know, <laughs> it's pretty awesome, but everything's flexible. You sure, know. yeah. Right. Well, hey, you know, Dan, on our website, we have a little leave voicemail message. So if you ever are out in the road and you want to leave a message for us, we'll play it on our show <laughs> and let everyone know. Uh, ah, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Yep, just call us and uh, let us know, especially when you have some new interesting things up, and uh, we'll be happy to, even if you just want to send an email, uh, just uh, let us know, and we'll direct people over over there to the site uh, in our uh, most current episode. Oh, cool. And I suppose Thanks. we should let you go to bed. It's a little late there. <laughs> oh, no worries. I'm, I'm awake. It, yeah, it's fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, I your story amazes me, and it inspires me. Well, I think it takes a lot of courage to do, do what yeah. you've done, Dan. I mean, especially just leaving the house, having no home, just going and living in a vehicle. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's it's a completely lifestyle changing thing. I mean, you've done it before, but and then going to a, a, a country that you really don't know what to expect—that's that's a lot of courage in, in my book. Yeah, it you know definitely it sounds a lot harder than it is. You know, it, it was really intimidating for me before I did it. But then when you do it, you know, oh, this, this isn't so hard. Like, and, and the other thing to remember too, and, and I'm really lucky a friend gave me this advice, I don't have to worry about next week or next month or, or some visa or any, you know, whatever's down the road. I only have to solve today's problems today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so today I need a safe place to sleep and, and maybe I need a meal and that's it. And, and so that's not so stressful. Like I, I can no. manage that, you know, and, and so that's all that's, that's all that's on my plate for today. Because if I try to look at the thing all in one go, I mean, it's terrifying. I can't, I can't drive across Nigeria and Congo and like all of these crazy places. Like that's insane. So today I'll just, you know, I'll just drive 100 miles and just have an easy day and no problem. And, and then the trip just builds from there. It just becomes, you know, a collection of not so terrifying days. Truly an adventure. Um, Definitely. <laughs> Well, Dan, thank you very much for being with us. I'm so glad that we uh, were able to get our technical issues from the, uh, the last uh, time we tried to get together, got those technical issues uh, resolved, at least well enough to do the show. And uh, we hope to have you on again, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe in another uh, six months or a year when you uh, get close to uh, finishing your uh, your trek across Africa, if, if it actually happens in that time frame. Yeah, for sure. I would love to be on again. It's, it's been a real pleasure, guys. All right, good, Dan. Thanks. Hang on there uh, real quick, and we'll uh, get right back to you. Okay, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Tony, that was so amazing. Like I said, I could sit and listen to that for hours. Isn't it amazing that you can just yeah. talk to somebody all the way in Africa and just like they're sitting right there? I mean, that's yep. that's 21st century stuff, Tammy. Yep. Hey, folks. Um, join us every Tuesday night for the Cube Talk Colin Show at 9 o'clock Central. You can also join Tony and us. And Josh, Thursday night at the Deep Talk podcast, hearing the echo of the talk. Um, and please check out Dan's website. It's called theroadchoseme.com. He's trekking across the continent of Africa in two years. 
So folks, have a great night, and we'll see you Thursday night. Just amazing. I just can't, I don't know if I would have the courage to do that, Tammy. Just just pick up, sell everything. I think it'd be hard just not having a cell phone. I mean, a, a smartphone. Can you imagine your, your day-to-day no, life without a cell phone? Uh, I'll or, tell you what, though. I would love to be Dan's navigator and videographer. Oh, quit sucking up. You're not going. I you're getting ready to go. To. You're getting ready to go to Moab. Just enjoy yeah. that. After three days, <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to ask Dan how uh, how long he has to go between showers. See, I, that would give me a hard time. That would be roughing it for me. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great night. Thank you for joining us and uh, listening to the uh, the show uh, on the uh, hopefully on your uh, iPhone app, uh, iPad app, or uh, Android app that you can now get from uh, either the uh, uh, the iOS store, the Apple store, or uh, Android, uh, Google Play. All right, you guys have a great night. We'll see you the Thursday or next Tuesday whenever uh, we uh, are back on the air again. I don't know if I've got that video. Let's see if the, if the audio plays. Yeah, this thing's still acting up.